You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. Well, good morning, church. Come on, y'all can do better than that. How's everyone doing today? All right, all right. Well, we are in a new series today. Um, this is our second week. And our series that is focused on, if you can't tell by the theme, our banter of our music is it's called Spiritual Warfare. So we desire to not only equip you, but teach you, walk with you as we begin to walk in battle. Last week we talked about just being ready, right? That many of us as we're walking in throughout the days of our lives, that we're not ready for the battle that, that, that befronts us. And we talked about last week that your opposition is the opportunity that God, for you God to use you. That the opposition that you may face, the opposition that you may find yourself in is an opportunity for God to use you right where you are at. We also talked about last week that the greater the attack, that the greater the call that God has on your life. Because we just believe that if you are proclaiming who Christ is, that you should be having some type of an attack or some type of resistance from the enemy. Amen? Amen. Because if you're not, then you maybe want to check what team you're playing on. <laughs> if you're covered by the blood, you should have some type of opposition from the enemy. And the time to be ready is not the time to get ready. Amen? If you're getting ready when it's raining and you don't have your umbrella, it's, it's, it's a tad bit too late. And the fight that you're in today, the very fight that you're in today, is developing the faith that you're going to need for tomorrow. That's what we talked about last week. So if you missed last week's uh, message, I would encourage you to go back on our, our website and just really just... Just pull it up and see what God can kind of just speak to you in that message. And so we are called to be on guard. We're called to be on guard, to be ready, to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding with God. Amen? Amen. We've made it this far only because of God. The old saints, the big mamas in the church. Big Mama's back in my church, you know, it was like that grandmother, that, that hallmark person who was like the cornerstone of the church. She could correct anybody, right, even the pastor. So Miss Lillian, she's definitely a cornerstone of our church. And back in the day, they used to say, if it had not been, come on, church. For the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. And that's, that's my testimony. If, I, if, if it had not been for the Lord to be on my side, I don't know where I would be. Especially dealing with the battles or, or the, the, the trials, the situations that we may face, that we may find ourselves in, right? Sometimes if you're in a battle, you may, you may even feel inadequate. You may feel insecure. You may even feel like, you know, am I even equipped to beat or fight this battle? Have you ever been in that situation? Have you been in a place where you begin to question, like, am I, am I even, you know, the way that I feel right now, I feel like I'm about to go down. Do I have what it takes to win? Do I have the skills necessary? Do I have the ability? Do I have the endurance and even the capacity to fight this fight? 
But I'm reminded that we have an enemy whose want, his primary focus is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Every challenge, every obstacle the enemy puts before us. Let me, let me rephrase that. Because not every challenge and every obstacle the enemy puts before us. Sometimes God places those challenges and those obstacles before us. So that way we can begin to grow in Christ. If we only knew our potential and our possibilities, if you knew your potential that God has for your possibilities that are endless, and it's sad to see when we see opportunities knocking at our door, we let it pass us by. And oftentimes when we embrace or we don't embrace those opportunities, then when God places them before us, then God places those opportunities and those possibilities before us so that way we can grow in his likeliness. So what do you do when God presents you with an opportunity to go deeper, but you let it go? For many of you, uh, our guests that may be here for today, God gives us a word that really kind of shapes um, the, the fashion of our church. And so this year, God gave us the word to go deeper. And you can't go deeper without going deeper in Christ. And sometimes going deeper in God and what God wants you to do means that you will have some opposition. You may have some setbacks. You may have some things in your life where God has designed specifically for you to grow deeper in him. So what do you do when God presents those opportunities to go deeper, but you let it go? And sometimes deeper may be in the form of a trial. Sometimes deeper may be packaged in conflict. Sometimes going deeper may come with a price tag called bankruptcy. He's trying to teach you how to steward, how to become a steward of what God has blessed you with. And sometimes going deeper means that you have to sit right in the middle of tension. Intention is not pretty, but tension is there so that way you can kind of grow where God wants to stretch your faith in such a way that you can know him to go deeper. See, the expectation when God creates an opportunity to grow closer to him, and we take it because I'm reminded by James chapter 4, verse 8, right? Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. So if you draw closer to God, he will draw closer to you. We serve a God of all opportunities, and we serve a God of all, uh, all possibilities. The enemy knows what God says about us. Right? He knows everything that God says about us. Let me, let me just remind you what Jeremiah 29 11 says. He, he tells us that I know the plans that I have for you, right? If you don't like Jeremiah, let me, let me go to the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah says, no weapons formed against me shall prosper. If you don't like the prophet Isaiah or Jeremiah, let me go to Bishop Paul, right? The apostle Bishop Paul, he says that for all things work together for the good. That we are more than conquerors. And if God is for me, who can be? against me. And now who is even the enemy? It's the devil himself. So if God is for you, if God is on your side, who can be against you? See, the enemy knows all these things, but what he does, he takes the word of God and he, and he twists it. See, he twists that when, he, when you believe that the Lord is my rock and my fortune, it's like, well, the Lord is your Plato and sometimes your home. He's not your fortress. 
He's not even your savior because if he were to save you today, you won't be in the situation that you're in. And these are the things that the enemy began to try to play and kind of placate on your minds. If we only knew our potential and our possibilities. This book, all 66 of them, are filled with potential and possibilities. The only thing you have to do is open it up and begin to read and begin to digest and begin to take it all in. And so today, we're just going to take a look at four practices, maybe actually three practices, that will help you to win your battle. Can I get an amen? amen. Y'all want to know what those three, those three practices are? Okay, I just want to make sure. We're going to go to one of the most famous battles in the Bible. If you have your Bible, go to Judges chapter 7. We'll be lifting up verses 9 through 18. Judges chapter 7, verses 9 through 18. If you have it, it's amen. amen. All right. Judges 7, chapter 9, verses 18 says this. Now on the same night, it came about, the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have handed it over to you. But if you are afraid to go down, go, and go with Pura, your servant, down to the camp, so that you will hear what they are saying about you. Let me just pause right there. Did you see that? The Lord God says, go down to the camp. So you can hear what your enemy is saying about you. Sometimes the enemy may not always be saying some positive about you, but sometimes the enemy may say some things that be, may be to your benefit. It says this, and afterward you will go and have the courage to go against the camp. So he went down with Pharaoh and his servant to the outpost of the army that was in the camp. Now the Midianites, the Malachites, and the shy lights. Y'all missed that one. That was a generation gap right there. So the shy lights was a group back in the day of my mama. So now the Midianites and the Milikites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as, as numerous as the locusts. And their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of people. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. And he said, behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell, and it turned it upside down so that the tent collapsed. And his friend replied, this is nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, God has handed over to him Midian and all the camp. Bless you. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and his interpretation, he bowed in worship. Then he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has handed over to you the camp of Midian. And he had divided the 300 men into three units. 
And he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them, with torches inside of the pitchers. Then he said to them, look, look at me as I do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I, when I and all of you are with me, blow the trumpet. Then you also blow the trumpets around the entire camp and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. Today, my message is simple, and it's how to win the battle. How to win your battle. You know, one thing that I've always wondered, you know, sometimes as a, as a pastor, preacher, teacher, I get tired of hearing, like, just don't tell me how to, how to do something, right? Just don't tell me to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the, the helmet of salvation, you know, the sword of the, the, the truth. And, you know, just that's all fine and dandy, but give me some practical ways outside of gearing up for battle, right? Have you ever felt like that before? As pastors just kind of just give you the, the scriptures, but I want to give you something a little bit more. That as you're booted up and suited up for with your armor of God, which is, you know, that's biblical, right? But I want to tell you how you can win your battle by taking some lessons from Gideon. Gideon said this in verse 15. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. Point number one, you have to make an adjustment to your worship. You have to make an adjustment to your worship. See, worship is our weapon. If you're going to get tired of worshiping, just, you may not want to go to heaven. Because <laughs> once we get up there 24-7, we're going to be singing to God, worshiping him, crying out, holy, holy, holy. And so if you're not a fan of worship, you might want to make some adjustments. Amen? See, we, we can't stop worship when we're at war. We see Gideon, when he encounters the Midianite camp, he go down to the camp, gets a word, and he, what I call ear hustling, <laughs> eavesdropping. He's eavesdropping to these people, and he heard them talk about himself. And he said that they have handed themselves over to God. Gideon worship in the midst of a battle. I want you to see that. Gideon went down to the camp that he was going to go and take a battle to. And right then and there, he worshiped. He didn't go back to his camp. The scripture says this. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. That means he was in enemy territory. Whatever you're battling with right now, whatever you're fighting, worship God. He didn't allow his situation to stop him from worshiping God. He didn't allow the presence of his enemy to stop worshiping God. Scripture tells us that he will set a table before your enemy. So if God's going to set a table with you having a seat in front of your enemy, why can't you worship him anyways? He did not allow the presence of thousands 
of enemies before him to stop him from worshiping. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? What happened? They went into the fire. Even in the presence of his enemy, even being thrown into fire, they worship God. So many of us are paralyzed by our situations that you forgot to worship God. Gideon worshiped God before he knew how he was going to fight the battle. Gideon worshiped God before he knew what God was going to do to fight his battle. Gideon worshiped God even before he knew that the problem was going to be fixed. So even before your problem gets fixed, even if it doesn't, I'm going to worship him anyhow. Right? That's what God has called us to do. Think about your problems that you may be faced with. Most of us worship God after he fixes the problem. God doesn't want your sloppy seconds. God wants your first fruits. He wants our first fruits. He wants our first worship. Now, he'll take your worship even though that you're going to worship him after the fact. But what God wants you to grow, he wants to grow you to the point where you will worship him anyhow. See, worship is not only on our knees, but it's also about prayer. We worship in song. We worship in giving. We worship in dancing. We worship in flags. We worship in fellowship. Gideon worshiped even in the face of adversity, danger, and even the unknown. Are you willing to worship God in your unknown? Whatever the unknown may be, are you willing to worship God in that space? That space of not knowing what God is going to do. I remember some time back, Felicia and I, we were in, I was in transition of, of work and jobs, and, you know, we, we fell on hard times, and things got tight. Things got super tight. I'm talking about red beans, rice, and cornbread tight. Amen? <laughs> See, I don't know about that meal. Come on now. Throw a little hot sauce on the Texas Pete. Makes everything better. What? And even though there was lack in our house, we still worship God. Even when I wasn't getting a paycheck every week or every two weeks, we still worship God. Even when we are not eye to eye, we still worship God. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. Second point. We need to adjust our walk. What do you mean, Pastor Ryan? We need to adjust our walk. It says this, then he returned to camp of Israel and said, arise, for the Lord has handed over to you the camp of Midian. Gideon walked back into the camp indifferently. That joker... Got a word from the Lord, started walking with Lillian, chest out like this, you know, feeling all diesel like, where's my son at? One day I'm going to get like him. Gideon had a revelation. Gideon had a revelation to know that he was walking back in a posture of victory. He went down possibly in a posture of timidity, but he left coming back with a posture of victory. We have to begin to adjust our walk, our language, our talk, the people that we surround ourselves with 
to make sure that we're walking in victory. There's an individual um, that's here today. He's, he's definitely a cornerstone of our church as well. We can't call him a big mama because he's a man. But um, Coach Brown has been... He's definitely one of our cornerstones of our, our churches, one of our, our elders of our churches. When I say elders, just a senior person with that wisdom. And Coach is just a, a bundle of joy. Coach has been dealing with cancer for quite some time, but you will never know that he's dealing with it. Coach is walking around like he still owns everything, that he has a daddy that has a cat on a thousand hills that he is walking in victory, that it doesn't matter how sick he may be, that he is walking towards what God has called him to do. And that's the type of adjustment we have to make as believers. Some of us walk around with a little sniffly nose, you act like my life is about to go all over, right? Suck it up, buttercup, let's go, come on, right? If coach is walking around with cancer and God is healing his body, and he may not see the healing take place on this earth, but he know that healing is taking place at the right hand of God. Coach is walking in victory. If he can do it, why can't I? Gideon began to walk back to the camp with a different attitude. And I believe this. I learned this a long time ago, that the spirit of the leader is the spirit of the followers. That the spirit of the leader is the spirit of the followers. If Gideon would have went back to the camp, woe is me. Y'all seen all those people down there? Everybody just pack up and go home. You know what Gideon would have done? His whole, his whole army would have been packing up and leaving. Gideon would have been there by himself. Deuces, I'm out. How do you think his followers felt when they saw Gideon walk back to the camp? There was a shift that took place. There was a morale change that took place. They're, they walked back with a little bit more confidence. They began to know that the power of one person can change the minds of, a, of millions. More importantly, the blood of one can change the livelihood of generations to come. The Lord told Gideon that he has that he has already handed over the camp. The Lord told him that he has already won. Not that he will win or that it might be done. He said that it was done. Even in the midst of sitting before the thousands of the army of that supported Midianites. Numbers 23, 19 says this. God is not a man that he would lie, nor a son of man that he would change his mind. Has he said, and it will he not do it? Or he has spoken, and he will not make it good. Behold, I've received the command to bless, and when he has blessed, I cannot revoke it. In other words, whatever God says is going to happen. So Gideon knew that God has said that, he has handed over this entire camp that is going to be done. He didn't question it. He didn't say, God, just give me another chance. He knew that it was done. So he went back into a situation declaring victory. 
Your situation may not, not change, but your mindset should. Your situation may never change, but the way that your thought process and the way that you process it, that your mind should change. Even if I don't have victory here, I know that we win. Even though I don't see what I want to see in, the, in this earth, in the natural, I know that in the supernatural, we have already won. Victory belongs to Jesus. 1 John 5, 4 says this. For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome. That we have that faith. We have that faith that God has given us. My last point is this. That we have to adjust our thinking. We have to adjust our worship. We have to adjust our walk. And then lastly, we have to adjust our thinking. Why is that, Pastor Ryan? Let me, let me, just, let me break this down to you real quick. Verse 16 of Judges says this. That Gideon had divided the 300 men into three units. He gave them trumpets and empty pictures into the hands of all of them with torches inside the pictures. I want you to see that. That we have to trust the process that God has for us. That we have to place our trust in God and God alone. That God's promises is connected to God's process. That his promises and his process is what God wants for us. That his promises is connected to his process. What do you mean, Pastor Ryan? God tells Gideon to take his army of 300 men and to carry a trumpet, an empty pitcher, and a torch. Let me say that again. A trumpet, an empty pitcher, and a torch. We're going into battle. God, there's something wrong here. You want me to carry a trumpet, an empty pitcher, and a torch. God, I need an Uzi, a grenade launcher, and my wife's meatloaf. Amen? That's all I need. I need an Uzi, a grenade launcher, and my wife's meatloaf. If y'all don't know about my wife's meatloaf, I'm going to tell you right now. Boy, make you want to slap your grandma. But the point is this I'm trying to make. God is asking Gideon to go into battle with an instrument, an empty pitcher, and a torch. What is that? God desires to use you as an instrument, an empty vessel in the light of God. That's it. Where God wants you to go, he is calling you to be his instrument, to empty yourself and to carry the light of hope, the light of resurrection, the hope of Jesus Christ is what God wants us to be. Often too many times we go into battle full of ourselves, full of the way that we're thinking, carrying even darkness because we're not repentive. 
Our posture before God means everything. So God is asking us to be an instrument, to empty ourselves, and to carry the light of Christ. To be that hope, to give that hope when someone asks you who Christ is, to give an answer for that hope. So we have to begin to change, adjust our thinking. Because Isaiah 55, 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways are your ways. So what God wants for me, maybe not was what I'm thinking, but the way that God prescribes it may be completely different. And Gideon should have saw this coming. Gideon started with 32,000 men, possibly women. And God told Gideon this, you have too many people that you're going to take into battle. What do you mean, God? I need more than 32,000. Do you see what's before me? God says, no, because my ways are not your ways. So God tells Gideon to make an announcement. Anybody who's fearful, go home. I will give you a pass. So what does God do? He cuts that army down to 10,000 people. Gideon's, all right, let's go, God. We're ready to go. Let's, we can fight this battle. God says, no, Gideon, you still have too much. You still have too many people. He said, this is what I want you to tell your men. Tell them to go down to the brook, the stream, and whoever laps the water like a dog to take them. Those who take a cup. God cuts down his army to 300 people. Gideon know that was a setup. God's plans for you and I is atypical. We're called to be atypical because we've been made new. Because the breath of God, the imago Dei, the image of God is in you. And I'm here to remind you today that God wants you to adjust your worship, to adjust your walk, and adjust your thinking. As our worship team comes, we're going to close out with two songs. This first song is called Stones. And it comes from Scripture. Scripture tells us that we should not allow the rocks cry out for us. In other words, that we should not allow the rocks to worship for us. That God has given you the breath of God, that he has given you the life that you have. And that you should worship with your lips. And I love how this song goes. It says this. You may find me in the valley, standing with my hands held high. The valley would never take my song. Come on, church. And what this song is saying that I would not allow the valley to take my worship. I would not allow my circumstance to take my worship. Because truth be told, we are all dealing and facing something. You're either coming out, going in, or leaving a battle. No matter where you are in that cycle, be ready. 
that I'm holding unto you for life. The desert would never take my song. It says, I will praise you. I will praise you. I will not allow the stones to cry out. So church today, I just want to hit you with a three-point Baptist sermon. Real quick and easy, just to remind you today that God is calling us to just our worship. And worship is the posture. It's a position of posture, right? It's how you position yourself before Christ. That we should adjust our walk. If you don't know already today, know what God has for you. Know the opportunities and possibilities that God wants for you. So after adjusting our worship, adjusting our walk, and adjusting our thinking, God has called us to be victorious. So church, let us stand. I want you guys, the, the ladies and guys, to sing this loud and sing it proud. And then we're going to close with another song. This is how I fight my battles. Because I just want to remind you, if you don't have no fight in you, I need you to square up, get ready, get a little lean or bounce in your step, and get ready to be steadfast and unmovable, to get ready to fight the battles that God has for you. Because those battles are prescribed to grow you closer, to grow you deeper in Christ. And this is my last thing. If you don't know who Christ is in your life, if you have an image of who you think he may be in your life, I encourage you just to come before the altar today. Our deacons, our elders, our pastors are here to pray with you today. If you want to rededicate your life to God, maybe you have drifted away. You say, God, you know what? I want to give you my life back because you have given me your life. You laid down your life for me. This is an opportunity just to be reminded today that God loves you right where you're at, even in your mess. He loves you anyhow. He loves you anyhow. Worship team. Thank you for listening to audio from One Church. If you made a decision of any kind today or would like to learn more about what your next step is, visit onechurchnc.net. If you are local to our campus, plan your visit online at onechurchnc.net slash visit.